0: Welcome to Vino Week, episode 32, brought to you by Vino 101. All right, welcome to Vino Week, I'm Bill.
1: Hello, everybody, Al here.
0: Ready to talk wine again, Bill. Indeed, the wonderful world of wine. Lots going on. Right. Lots moving and shaking. Yeah, so we can start with our our, uh, first set of stories. And as I was going through all of these, I, I was thinking to myself, is this like, you know, just before they're allowed the, the the in you know in baseball when they they have the the deadline for trading the cutoff for trading yeah <laughs> that's good you know is it like that run up
1: yeah it's, uh, um, it was a flurry of activity man uh, the the closest one um, did you see the one about um, uh, Nils Vinge
0: buying uh, Robert Rue yes so uh, what what we're talking about there's a series have been a series of West. Well, I'm sure there, are, you know, plenty of others around the world. But we noticed the ones on the West Coast. Um, one of which uh, we've covered. Have we covered those guys, Robert Rue?
1: Nah, but we've gone by and talked to Robert. That, that guy's he's awesome. And uh, I I don't know what happened there. I think he probably just got. I think he probably just wanted to retire. Possibly. This is probably what happened because they've been doing it for a while. They've been, uh... Well, been,
0: he, remember, he was a grower. Um, you know, a, uh, uh... He owned that property, and then he had the vineyards on it, right? Yeah, Yeah. he sold it. Like, uh, he was a grape grower.
1: Yeah, I think the vineyards go with the deal, and they're gonna, um... They're gonna shut down the brand, and they're just gonna rename the property, uh, Croix Estates. C-R-O-I-X. Right. And, uh, it was, uh... It's, it was bought by. Um, I wasn't Nils. I, I wonder if it was the the father and the son that bought it. But
0: Venge um, Vineyards.
1: Yeah. Or so
0: Benge, um, how do you? I don't know how to pronounce that. I
1: always I always say Benge, but I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it either. But um, his his dad Nils is you know he's world renowned for making wines in in Napa Valley, and. um, their family was actually they were grape growers also in Napa Valley. Uh, so Kirk's grown up around it and now he pretty much makes a lot of the wines. Um, but you see I see these guys at the um, at the at the shows all the time and tasting and stuff. Yeah. Nils is a, is a real kick. You know, I mean he's made some just some stellar cabernets, just crazy cabernets. So it's interesting that they're putting their foot in the Russian River Valley. Which is uh, – and where they're at, that little vein right there, that's like Ziffindel Alley. Yeah. So um, we'll see what they do with that property.
0: They did mention in the article that they're going to – how did they phrase it? It's Focus like, on Chardonnay and Pinot Noir? They did not say that. They said something about retooling the vineyard.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, it's been a while since I read it. But, I mean, it's not that big of a vineyard. It's like a 10-acre property. So it's, it's, it's not that big, but there's a whole bunch of stuff around that. And there's a lot of, actually there's a lot of Pinot Noir just a little bit west of that. You don't, you have to go like maybe like a mile west and you run into this vein of just a bunch of Pinot Noir. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's prime, uh, grape growing area just right on the border there, of Santa Rosa. Yeah. Well, and it's pretty small though. Remember how small it was? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like a barn. Literally there's not much to it.
0: They can redevelop all that, though, because I, I, there's probably some rules about existing structures in the county, because I'm pretty sure that's in the county, not in Santa Rosa.
1: Yeah, that looks, that does look like county property.
0: So they could probably do some nice things there. And plus, you know, they could probably get, you know, because they're so close to the, the main thoroughfare there like mm-hmm. Bolton, that they could probably get permitted for weddings and, you know, bigger events. If they have the space, 40 acres. Yeah, they said they're going to rework the vineyard.
1: Well, right now I guess uh Croix Estates makes they make twenty three hundred cases a, oh the plan is to grow the brand oh, to twenty three hundred okay. cases a year. But uh the retail prices are high, dude. Yeah. Uh fifty to one hundred twenty five dollars a bottle for Chardonnay. That's some expensive Chardonnay. And sixty five to two twenty five for Pinot Noir. So, you know, definitely ultra premium high end wines and uh fifty bucks for old vines in, so geez.
0: Wow. <laughs> They uh, it looks like Dutton Ranch is sourcing the Croix grapes right now. Okay,
1: yeah. That's so I mean, I I I would I can see good things coming out of that, you know, out of that property because they always have. So I mean, it's just going to be a continuation. They're going to change. Obviously, they're not going to be making Sauvignon Blanc anymore, and they probably won't be making, you know, maybe they'll probably be making a different style Zinfandel. Yeah. Although I I really like the Zinfandel that came out of Robert Ru. Right. Um, we got somebody else, uh, that's uh, making a big move with the smaller winery also, and that is St. Michelle Wine Estates yeah. out of, uh, Washington is buying in Sonoma. So it's like reverse buying. Usually we're going up there and buying stuff up there, right? Yeah. So they're buying, um, Pats and Hall. And that's an interesting one because Pats and Hall, they do Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, but they don't actually own any vineyards. Um so they contract out all of their stuff and they make luxury wines but they have these really good contracts with some of the best growers and they have an excellent reputation um they get lots they get lots of fanfare from the press and uh they don't have any problem selling their wine so um Saint Michelle puts another another winery in their portfolio um, if you're not familiar with uh, Saint Michelle, they've got uh, Spring Valley Vineyards, which is uh, remember those Spring Valley Vineyard labels with the the rough looking dudes, the, the rugged looking guys, the wrestler guys, whatever. I think you. No. Well, anyway, did you, aside, did you they do that. Uh, they've got uh, Cole Solare. Um, God, who else did they do? Uh, uh, in Napa, they own uh, Villa Mount Eden and Con Creek, which make they make some dynamite wines there. And what's cool about St. Michelle is when they buy a property, they allow the property to just kind of, you know, they improve on it, but they they give it its own, it gets its own stamp, and it gets to maintain its own individuality. So they don't come in and and incorporate it up, and you're going to do it this way, you're going to do it that way. They just kind of let them keep going. And uh, that's pretty cool. So I'm pretty happy for those guys. Um, The... It's a husband it's um the team that's there. Let's see. It's uh four uh four partners and I believe did it's been a while since I've read this. I think that um the usual they're gonna stay
0: on That's so, right, yeah. Yeah they'll yeah. remain it they'll, they'll remain <laughs> I love how these press releases are written. They will remain Dang it, I just had it. I just lost it. My mouse moved. Hang on. They will remain at the winery with the winery to provide expertise and ensure continuity with the winery's operations.
1: Yeah. Well, not to throw not to throw dirt on the the party, but you know that's probably only going to last so long. So <laughs> but it's really cool. Chateau Saint Michel, I think, is a first class operation, especially when you consider all the wine that they make. They make a ton of wine they do a good job of it. So it's probably a plus. It's a, it's a win-win for everybody in that case, I think.
0: Yeah. This is just, I think this is one way that a smaller winery is able to scale mm-hmm. or at least provide a path to sort of the next step for everybody involved.
1: You know, it always makes me wonder what's going to happen with the brand, you know, cause if they're down, you're talking about a really small brand that doesn't make a lot of wine to begin with. It's like, do these wines you know typically these are wines that you see on a restaurant wine list
0: well that's what oh I, that's what I'm wondering
1: you know you know what's going to be the market for the wine now is it going to be the same or is it going to change because now they've got some you know they've got some clout but obviously you know you can only build the brand up so much and you can't you can only make so much of the wine you, you don't want to dilute the brand you know what I mean so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, what happens I wonder there. where
0: that. I wonder where that line is for these folks. That's something I don't know.
1: It's hard to say because I know with some of the other um, wineries that they bought, you know, they've pretty much kept the production pretty much in line with what they were doing before they purchased them, which is pretty noble. Because I mean, the price point went up on some of them, but you know that's to be expected. Mm-hmm. Everything goes up. And uh, we got one more. Or actually, we got several more. Yeah. there has <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a lot of money changing hands here lately. Yeah. <laughs> so we got um, uh, one of Oregon's uh, top artisan wineries, uh, Pinner and Ash, has been purchased by our own beloved Jackson Family Wines. So Jackson Family Wines is making a big play in Oregon. And uh, they're buying land. And, and now they're buying uh, wineries also, so um, they're headed north.
0: And uh, another yeah, con- thing, you know, continuing to grow, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, they're and I mean it's and not only are they continuing to grow, Bill, it's it, the it, they're growing quality wise. You know, the stuff that they're buying is you know they're buying quality facilities and quality winemaking operations. So. I mean, the price points of these wines, you know, it's, we're talking 30, 35, 40 bucks and up. So um, it's, uh, I'm sure the people in Oregon are are very happy that they're coming there. And um, I wonder how the growers feel about it. I mean, at some point they got to start maybe getting a little nervous. (laughs) Because one thing, one thing that um, Jackson Family Wines does is, they are—they're pretty first-class on all of their stuff, from vineyard operations to um, to the facilities that make the wine. Uh, they don't skimp, so um, everyone else will definitely have to raise the bar. So Oregon wine is only going to get better with yeah. them buying
0: in. Yeah, like that. At that, and at that kind of, you know, I mean, it doesn't make an impact with this winery. But that's not their only play up there.
1: No, 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 it's not. Well, they just bought that. Uh, they bought that one property. That um, what was it? A defense contractor or something?
0: Yeah, by an air- They bought like a facility by the airport.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean they'll probably make that. – will probably be a processing plant. But that was a 350 acre property. So yeah, they're they're I mean, they're they
0: making a their entire operation. Move. They could move their entire operation up there if they wanted. Wow, well, <laughs> their operation is pretty big. We well, yeah, I mean their corporate headquarters is.
1: Oh, gotcha, right? gotcha. Yeah,
0: yeah. If that? I don't know what their who knows what their plans are.
1: Yeah, there's. Um, uh, we should go over there sometime. I'll take you over to Skyline. You can look at that, and you'll just go, man, they're really
0: big. Yeah, that would be great. They're so. ridiculously big.
1: So those are the three big ones. Uh, there's another small one.
0: Oh, Bill uh, Bill Foley bought Striker Sonoma.
1: Yeah, he's uh, you know, he's he's like a mini uh, a mini Kendall Jackson guy, right?
0: Yeah, well, he's definitely trying to scale it. He's yeah, following he's, that model, right? Yes, he man. He's buying, uh,
1: and he's got some big stuff to back him up. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but uh, he's and he's kind of a little bit everywhere. So, I mean, I think he's bought stuff in Oregon too, right? Yeah. So, uh, and I think he has a winery. I think I believe he has a winery in New Zealand. So he's kind of he's kind of all over the map. But Stryker's pretty small. I don't think it's it's. Um, it's got a $20,000
0: case permit. Yeah, 25-acre vineyard. And uh, Bill Foley's daughter is going to be the winemaker.
1: Yeah, he bought some place for his daughter to kind of, you know, you know, work on her craft. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I just don't know what to say about that. That's pretty cool. Anyway, um, so he's also – didn't he buy um, – Didn't we talk about him buying
0: Shalom? Yeah, Oli's daughter's head of production. Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: So, I mean, he's buying some interesting properties. The properties he's buying are kind of like, they're brands that aren't doing that well, that are kind of like, you know, they're kind of on the downside. Yep. And he's kind of like, he's kind of rehabilitated, or or planning to anyway, these brands. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I, I haven't had any Stryker wines. Have you?
0: Um, I have, but a long time ago. Do you remember? Uh, it was a wine road thing.
1: Oh, yeah. Stryker's up there. They're around uh, Pedroncelli in that area, aren't they?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sil-
1: Silver Oak kind of in that, in that
0: zone. They're, they're further south and on the other side of the freeway, on the east side of the freeway.
1: Okay. Huh.
0: They're kind of like up in a. You like look over a, a hill. They're not far from the Jimtown store.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, they're on the, they're way on the other side. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. Um. But it, it um. Yeah, I don't really remember it that much.
1: Well, you know, I mean, I just I don't I don't ever see the label anywhere. I can't even picture it. I I can't picture the label. But I mean it's a small winery, but he's he's adding it to his portfolio.
0: Um they're only, you know, making, they're only making right now five thousand cases.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not so you uh, know
0: he can boost the case production right there. There's more cash out.
1: Well it's permitted for twenty thousand. Yeah. So I mean he's thinking, you know, they might be making five, but he can run twenty thousand through there like, you know, tomorrow yep. and yeah, it. So that's that's pretty cool. And then, um, with a lot of these deals That's what it comes down to because it's really hard to go through the permitting process to get the approval from the counties to make wine. You know, it's, it's getting harder and harder. So it's easier just to buy a winery that already has a permit in place and uh, okay, I'm good to go. Now I can make my wine. You can change the name, do whatever you want to do. So that's, uh, that's a. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, he also has. Um, I think uh, doesn't this guy also own um, uh, Sebastiani? Yes. Yeah. So he's. I mean, Sebastiani, man. That's. They make a lot of wine there. That's that's a wine factory. So. So uh, he knows the wine business. If you're uh, if you're uh, working with Sebastiani. All right, so uh, where do we go from here, Bill? What's new?
0: Where okay, decanter the um, the uh, top wine consuming countries in 2015. Oh, can I say it, Bill? Oh, sure. We're number one. We are. <laughs> well, one. we we've consumed the most, but <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: However. None of this is broken down by population.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's where we're going to lose out, isn't it?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, like Australia is, they like not even quite an entire bottle. That's how much they consume. But how many people are on that, on that? <laughs> exactly. <continent>? 42, right? <laughs> exactly. You now, got if a you point. Look at this chart, you're, you know, we're a bunch of drunkards <laughs> and uh, like, I just know that's not true. And I'm Large swaths of the United States that have equivalent populations of like Australia. So, yeah, yeah,
1: um, yeah. That's okay. So you're saying that it's a little bit skewed.
0: Uh, I, it's misleading. <laughs> it's a false representation of the information.
1: Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, anyway, We had a couple. We had a couple MP. people on Twitter. We had uh, one uh, one young lady. Uh, she commented. She goes, "Man, we got to pick up our game." <laughs> I forgot where she was from. I think she was from like uh, Spain or something. She's like, man, what's going on here?
0: <laughs> I got to get in it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It'd be really nice if they broke the if they actually had done some like math to break this down by population. Um,
1: well, the one that they, the one that I find most interesting on all of these is China. China's like right in the middle of everything, Yeah. and. It looks like the change. It's 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 like the highest, or well, it's the it's the biggest change of all of them. If you look at the the net change in percentage,
0: yeah, tied had,
1: with Argentina.
0: Yeah, they had the highest rate of change.
1: Yeah, that's very telling to me. You know, there's a lot of people in China.
0: Oh, and, I look. I, there's no doubt in terms of of uh, uh, consumption. Those guys are just gonna. Blow it blow it out of the water. You know they're still building infrastructure to get stuff to people. Yeah, you know. So that'll be uh, it'll you be know, interesting that, to keep track of that. Oh, and that's complete. You know, we'll all be able to be in the wine business and be land barons in the U.S. <laughs> you know, building wine factories to ship grapes to China. Anyway,
1: well, um, if you look at that map. And you know it's it, it's one of the interesting things about this map when you look at it, not only are the the top um wine consuming countries you know they're all kind of in this this specific they're all in areas where wine is grown, you know yeah, go figure where you can grow there's places you can grow wine, yeah, where you typically would yeah um, with the exception of the ones that are on the in the southern hemisphere you know you've got um Argentina and you have australia and New Zealand but uh typically they're all right in that little band, the grape growing band. So, uh, just like, you know, you consume what's grown in your own backyard, right? Yeah. Yeah. So
0: there we go.
1: Uh, should we do a little education tonight? Yes. You want to talk Chianti? Yeah. Let's talk Chianti. Hey, our buddy, uh, RJ, com. Uh, Ron is, uh, he's a prolific writer. Uh, I think we spoke about him in we a have. past podcast. He kind of got burned out, took some time off, but Ron's back. <laughs> With the vengeance. He is back, and he's talking about Chianti, and this is probably one of the better, you know, I mean, anyone that listens to this cast knows I'm a, a Chianti classical honk, but um, he talks about um, Chianti, kind of breaks it down uh uh, does some uh, produ- does a little history, does some uh, producer profiles, recommends 10 wines. If you are at all interested in uh, Chianti and you want to learn a little bit about it, this is a really, really quick, easy read. I mean, you can read this in literally like 10 minutes and you'd be all the better. So um, highly recommend it. We'll link it up.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Definitely worth a read. Um, and, you know... If you want to you know there's there's accessible wine here.
1: Yeah, the price points is what kind of lures me to Chianti. I mean, you can get really 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 good Chianti. I mean, really good Chianti. <laughs> Reserve for 20 bucks a bottle.
0: Yeah, local wine stores might have have some of these um might be able to order them online, but get some of them and have some food with them. Um it, it will be worth your time and effort. Maybe get a couple, huh, Bill? Oh I would get a couple. Just you know <laughs> get get a you know, get a case.
1: There's lots of uh twenty ten Chianti still out there. Uh a lot of the reservas are still out. Uh they're they're in the twenty twenty to, to thirty dollar range. Um There's uh, the new – the vintage after that, the 2011, uh, is actually very good wines also. And 2012 was a good vintage. So you see lots of 12s with the regular Chianti and 13s coming out. But there's still a lot of older vintages, got a little bottle age on them, that are uh, well worth your uh, looking into and trying out. Awesome. Drink some Chianti. You'll be happy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What's next? Uh, You – what else we got, Bill? Are we gonna go? Um
0: we could talk about bad French wine behavior.
1: Yeah, yeah there
0: we go. That yeah, let's, good. Let's end with the, Let's end with our friend. Okay. Um, so this is uh, another piece from Decanter, written by Andrew Jefford. You know, kind of talking about talking about the politics of French wine, and kind of its state of the state. And in and um and really about the balkanization of their you know their efforts to make any impact on their business at a at sort of like a national level. It's if you if you have any interest in that in sort of why the French might do some 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 strange things, just read this article and it not. You know there's not a you know there's not dissimilar things in our in in our um, legal system that that are as absurd as some of the things that they're doing although they are doing bad things like there's a great picture in the start of um, a, a bunch of French vintners emptying a truck of Spanish wine onto the road while French police look standby idle
1: yeah that doesn't look so good when the the garter just hanging out. <laughs> What's going on here? I don't see anything. Yeah. Well you know, I, I think there's a little bit of sensationalism with this with this photo.
0: Yeah, I mean he points that out. I mean he's you know, he's kinda this sort of a preamble of of, you know, the loudest you know, in the age of of the age of attention and the attention economy. You know, the the Uh, The thing that is the biggest stunt um, with the loudest voice is kind of how he puts it, gets the, you know, is going to get the attention. And he just kind of goes, kind of goes, you know, kind of goes through um, using this example of this protest. And they were protesting (laughs) because they weren't getting adequate attention from the uh, Tour de France, but he goes on and just says it's kind of. This is sort of like very typical of French pol politi- French wine politics.
1: Yeah, I think a, a part of it. I think it, with the articles he's saying there's there's no there's no glue. You know there's no not there's totally. no body that helps these
0: smaller growers. No, there's to- and it's totally. But it's even it's even more balkanized than that. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's down to the specific region. I mean, it's not that different. Here, nobody's advertising. You know. You know, Northern California doesn't get talked about, but Napa and Sonoma do. And I, I don't, you know.
1: I don't and nobody's ab- advertising for the pear industry. <laughs> you know, like Ukiah pears or what? Yeah, yeah, right. The, cider, don't have a-
0: guy, the cider guys are gonna gonna um, start revolting soon. But no, he's talking, and he's and he's talking. He also talks about the Loi Vine. And how it, you know, it just leads to this kind of schizophrenic, crazy behavior that they have. It's a great article, uh, great. Yeah, it
1: really post. is. It's it's more political than anything. Yeah, but it, it is. It is a good but, read.
0: But as we as we as we're aware, as we're talking about these things, and we're uh, you know, um, you start delving into to wine, yeah, all of this matters from the standpoint that the the most coveted wines in the world are still French wines they're still the highest ranked, they're, you know, the collectors, you know, they have the highest prices in terms of sort of people collecting them, so, and this chaotic system, which is governed by some pretty, um, I don't want to say rigid, but but a, quite a bit of law, and based very sort of, you know, regional as well, derives this awesome product, so it's an it's an interesting sort of juxtaposition from the, which the system that it's made you know yeah, which one.
1: I agree I'll give you an example I was driving up into Santa Rosa and you look on the right and there's this big huge billboard for uh, Virginia Dare winery and I'm sure that everyone that drives by that goes Virginia Dare they go what is that <laughs> and then it just piques your curiosity you want to know sure. what Virginia Dare is because it's got this blonde woman with these golden locks and you're like hmm I wonder what's going on there right well if you're in France, that wouldn't be allowed. They don't, you, you don't, you can't have a bull, billboard promoting alcohol. <laughs> it's not even allowed. So, I mean, that just shows you how different the laws are, you know, from here. Versus, I mean, that's just one little thing. But you can't, you can't advertise on billboards. You can't um, advertising as far as wine can't be associated with uh, major sporting events. I mean, there's all kinds of they got these weird really strange laws and uh, it makes it tough when the other countries can come in and do those things. <laughs> they can't. It makes people want to, want to open up the tanker. So that's what happened. So, um, but uh, you know, um, I'm not condoning uh, acts of vandalism.
0: Well, and I mean, that's sort of the wrap up of this whole thing. It's just like, you know, that whole stunt was, you know, he characterizes as a, at, at bullying and really trying to bully, you know, you're bullying the the tour the France operators.
1: Yeah. And they can't do anything about it. They're just operating within the law.
0: Right. And you know, there's you know, there's a bunch of subsidies around this bulk wine and and you know, he's basically saying not a really good future with things structured this way. You know, I think he's also kind of calling out, you know, this the that that you know as we said that The French wine system, and I don't know. I I, when you go over to when you go over to Europe, oftentimes in the summer, at least you you will find you know, or you know, we read about this in the papers all the time too. You know, we find you know French some some people in the French French agriculture economy just. Protesting over something, yes. You know, and they're shutting down airports. They're driving their tractors. You know, they're you know tugging manure, the whole nine yards, right?
1: Yeah, last time we were uh, last manure. time we were over overseas, there was a friggin' strike at the airport. It's like, come on, man, really? That's just how it is, man. They're always striking, they're always. Uh, upset about something. No so kidding. I, I, it's probably bad to use they, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, they people, whoever you are.
0: Sorry, to they. So uh, all right, right let's fa- wrap. Let's wrap up on a.
1: We got my favorite guy, man.
0: On an entertaining note, so this is the uh, the CEO of United Spirits, B.J. M- Malaya. Malia, I'm not sure how to say it, or he's he's actually the former head of United Spirits.
1: Yeah he uh, he took uh, he took a golden parachute and uh, you know he he went off to to wherever he goes to, but he just he just got bought out not too long ago, and uh, now is there a problem, Bill?
0: (laughs) the The Indian Enforcement Directorate, um, when he did not appear in court, has now um they've issued a third strike out
1: what what is that
0: <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to find the uh that's uh, funny the exact the the exact sort of uh penalty
1: let me break it down he borrowed a whole bunch of oh. money from some Indian banks and he's not paying them back they're pretty
0: pissed. Ah, so he was at, at this is what I would the charge what was the charge he failed to appear at the third time of asking at a Mumbai court to answer allegations of misuse of funds loaned to his Kingfisher Airlines by a state by a state owned bank IDBI so it's not just a bank
1: <laughs> 17 banks
0: <laughs> there, it, there's a state bank involved
1: <laughs> 13 so, billion
0: that's and a it's interesting, public. I mean, one thing to to know that's interesting to note about India is that their um, uh, many of their public, what we would consider a public uh, entity, is in fact a corporation. Okay, gotcha. Like the gotcha. city of Mumbai, Mumbai probably has like the you know Greater um, Mumbai Municipal Corporation. I don't know if that's it exactly, but it has a very, it has a corporate like structure. and has a board and a and presidents, and it operates somewhat, somewhat akin, but not directly to a, um, um, an American company, or American cor- corporate structure. Anyway, it's kind of interesting. So the state bank thing, I, I, I wonder if it's sort of on the same line. Um, people can reach out to Twitter and tell us if they're so inclined or post on our Facebook page or, um, hit our website, if you know 101.net, that would all be great. But, um, yeah, this guy, this guy took a bunch of money, thirteen so, billion.
1: So, so what what exactly does billion. this have to do with wine? It
0: well, it, he was he was a big, um, you know, Kingfisher. He owned one of the largest beer brands, and then you know, United Spirits. I'm sure they're in the they they're in the wine business somewhere.
1: Yeah, he was he he was on the board with that Diageo. He was like one of the yeah, head-
0: okay. There you go. So like so, you know, this and, guy's got serious like wine market. You know, wine. Market power,
1: and and Diageo was trying to get rid of him for months and months and months, and he he finally he finally resigned, and uh, well they they paid him off, but they paid him seventy five million, to like seventy five million pounds to just leave to go away, because he was because they probably knew that this was in the in the offing that this was going to happen, so he's he's held up in the UK. And they're asking him to come back over to uh, India. Is that correct? Yeah. What are the chances of that, Bill? What are the chances of him hopping a plane and going back over
0: to the India? Uh, you know, no, no way. That's <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to pick up my bags <laughs> and baggage and go back to, back to India on a non-bailable charge. A warrant.
1: <laughs> I'm going to hand over my passport. Yeah, sure. I don't think so. Yeah, so that's – anyway, the guy is – the photo we'll, – we'll put this in the links, but the, there's one photo from uh, – it's out of the drinks business. And it's um, uh, dated the uh, 21st of April. Bill, you coined it right. Look, What did you say? He looks like he's
0: uh, – Yeah, he looks like the um, the most the, – the guy out of the most interesting man in the world commercials.
1: Yeah, yeah it's awesome dude. at the beer. Guy. he
0: is he's got a kingfisher beer. I mean it's a total <laughs> plan of the
1: <laughs> he's living the life man. Hey, you know that's uh that's what they say above the law that's above the law right there man <laughs> So maybe not so funny to all the banks but uh anyway. You know, we always we've always got some uh, some gangsters on our on our show here. It seems like that one's he's at the top of the he's at the top of the heat, man. That's good stuff. Yeah, love to sit down uh, and uh, have dinner with that guy and just hear some of his stories. <laughs> he's, he's got out the greatest stories ever. He's well traveled, Bill. Come on, you know it. You know it. He is well traveled. You know Look it. at those rings, man. You see those rings on his face? Oh, my God. Oh, oh, too much. So um, what have you been drinking, Bill?
0: You know, not a lot of wine. That's not true. I guess we uh, talked about the Goyette. Uh, I, uh, I got nothing, man.
1: I, I got a little bit of an out about here bill because I had um for uh, everyone knows um by now probably that we live in beautiful Sonoma County. We've had a bunch of rain and we had a great bloom and it's never really affected me to this point, but man, for the past couple of weeks, uh I was it was pretty rough on the sinuses. So kinda of laid off the wine. Haven't had much wine. So uh we don't have any wine recommendations for this show, obviously, but I'll definitely put a couple wines um, to link up um, at the bottom of the post. So, um, actually, I'm uh, tonight we're having a Domaine chevaux which is uh, it's a Beaujolais village to 2011. I've opened it up as breathing. I haven't tried it yet, but hopefully that uh, works out for us and uh, we'll report back on that.
0: <laughs> yeah that sounds good we uh, i had a really nice bottle of sauvignon blanc but i do not i thought i had a picture of the producer um i have had a couple of interesting things um so uh, san francisco and these are it's beer um not that that's a bad thing yummy but um so one of them is a um, a local a local brewer they're actually canning their beer and they make a watermelon wheat beer.
1: Watermelon wheat beer this time of year? Yeah. Where did they get the watermelon?
0: I uh, who knows
1: <laughs> Come on Have you seen a watermelon around? No
0: All um, right you know I don't know but um, you know it's probably some extract. I have no idea. It's delicious especially when it's very cool. Uh,
1: it's sounds fun. that sounds good man. Um, Where'd I get some of that though?
0: community market has it here in town okay and well, maybe Oliver's making it easy for me thank you Yeah, definitely bottle barn the other one is a um, uh, I'm not gonna be able to say the um, the name I think it's a Japanese name for um, owl um, owls ne- owl nest but it's a it's a beer made with red rice. Hmm. Um, and uh, uh, brewed in Japan by the Kikuchi Brewery. Really interesting beer, very sweet. And I had it a, obviously had a Japanese restaurant. Um, actually, a really interesting restaurant here in town. Now, if you haven't tried it, called Ramen Gai Shan. Where's do, that? So it's in the old. Um, do you know where Lucy's used to be? Yeah. Yeah. It's in that building. They've completely revamped it. So they do ramen. So they do ramen. You know, most days the okay. week on Thursday, Fridays and um, Saturdays, and I'm not sure about Sundays, they do Japanese bar snacks. So Izakawa. So you can go in and get like a grilled short rib, grilled asparagus beers. They make this dish called karaje, which is like uh, they're like they're like chicken nuggets with like thighs, and they make really wonderful dumplings potstick. to is what they're called in Japan. Okay. But the way they make their dumplings is they actually put them in a pan, and they put the dumplings in, and they pour batter around it. It comes off this, like, flaky crust. I've never seen it. It's awesome. So I highly recommend it. You can go and have a few snacks. They have a really interesting wine, beer, sake, and wine, and beer list anyway. That's, oh,
1: man. That's... Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. That's um... – I definitely have to. Well, they have been there for a while though, haven't they?
0: They have. They were doing ramen for just uh, for a little bit, and then they've really expanded. The place is booming. But we've been in okay. There. We've been in it three or four times. We like to eat there, and the boys actually eat the food, which is so interesting. <laughs> That's bonus. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I'll check that out. Hey, there, there's a couple of wines I did try, even though um, my sniffer is weird enough. It's weird. My sniffer was working, but um, man, it just wasn't. I wasn't getting that enjoyment that I would like to get out of wine.
0: Yeah, you're probably not tasting
1: anything. No, I was actually able to taste them pretty good. I was surprised. Usually that's not the case for me. Usually my taste buds are just like gone. Yeah. But I did have, um, I had a couple of nice bottles. And they're on, if you go on our, um, if you go on our Twitter feed, I, I got some photos of them. I uh, had uh, a 2006 Domaine de Caron. That's uh, C-A-Y-R-O-N. And it's a gigandaz. And Cairone um is basically they only make one wine and it's I've tried their 2012 I mean you're not going to be able to find it t- to 2006 unless you get it in an auction somewhere but um oh man it was just fantastic but I also tried their uh 2012 which is out now and it's about it's about 30 bucks a bottle if you want to find out what good Gigandaz is about um that is something that you might want to try out also had an incredibly good bottle of Riesling from uh, Monchoff. And it's a 2012 uh, Erzinger Wurzgarten Riesling spade, spade Laser. And Wurzgartner uh, just means it's a spice garden. It's right. spice garden. But a, it was a 2012, and uh, boy, I'm glad I bought a bunch of those. I got like a half a case of that, and uh, it's going to be hard keeping my hands off of that this summer. <laughs> I don't think it's going to last but That was a great bottle, and then I had another nice bottle. Um, let's see. I don't think I have it in front of me here. Where is it? Uh, I lost it. Oh, there it is. I had a, a bottle of uh, Ochupenti, and uh, the woman that makes this wine, we uh, we ha- featured her bottle, a bottle of her lesser wine or, or a different type of wine called uh, uh, Frappato. Her name's Ariana, and uh, this is grown at the base of uh, a volcano in uh, Sicily, and it's um, Nero D'Avola and Frappato, and it's rocking. It's really good. It's um, It's just it. Was that
0: uh, when you when you yeah? I bet. I, I just like I got a mental I got a, like a mental image of that of um, so it's
1: very you know it's 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 very earthy it's got a little um, not super earthy but it's earthy it's got that minerality to it it's all red fruit it's and, and it, it evolves in the glass over time so um, if you get it an opportunity to try that it's a it's a recent vintage it's 20 2014 and uh, it's not a bad way to spend 19 20 bucks so those are mine off the top of my head but Um, I'll definitely be getting back on the wine consuming train here now that I'm back to (laughs) snuff
0: sounds good good. I took took a little breather (laughs) gotta do it well Bill, shall we wrap it up? we should, follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Vino 101 net, Vino 101 N-E-T check our podcast out um, on iTunes, you can come or your favorite podcatcher um, also, come to our website and get it there. Like a, like our Facebook page, and more importantly, tell a friend. All
1: right, hey, are we on Stitcher, Bill?
0: Yeah, we should be on Stitcher.
1: Okay, all right, yeah. just checking, man. You're the IT guy.
0: I am. Got <laughs> to be honest. Got to keep them honest. Beautiful. Um, yeah, we've got our producer account there. And
1: all right, well, hey, thanks for your time, Bill. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. We will uh, we'll catch you on uh, the next episode of Vino Vino Week. Cheers. Cheers.